0: Lob Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Hey, that is right. Good evening. There is a war for your souls. Welcome to Rescue Radio. I'm Margie and I'm soloing tonight. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your word that brings us strength and direction that brings us stability in these troubled times that brings us freedom and peace, peace of mind, peace of heart, courage to go on. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to receive the revelation of Jesus Christ, which is really our life, which is everything. And so tonight, Fathers, we talk about forgiveness and the key to peace and freedom, the golden key of forgiveness. Lord, I pray that you would guide our hearts and our minds, our mouths, that I'd speak truly with help and hope as the oracles of God and that you direct our conversation. We also thank you for keeping these airwaves clear and open, that the Prince of the Power of the Air is bound, because we are under assignment of the Most High God. And we thank you, Father, for that authority in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I missed you guys. Um, we've been gone for a couple of weeks and feeding you the archives of uh, broadcasts or things, actually, that we did when we were um, uh, in Decatur, Illinois. We did a couple of uh, workshops and conferences over there. It was awesome. It was wonderful. It's so exciting to help people. And the thing that really uh, is the most exciting is to see how people get it and when they start to realize the truth and comprehend the true gospel of Jesus Christ, how it begins to give them hope again. So many people are really stuck. They're stuck in their past. They're in, in remorse. They're in regret. They're mad at other people uh they're stuck in a vicious cycle in their own lives. Um, their, their walk with God is dry or drab or uninteresting or boring. And, and a lot of people have just kind of wandered away from the very exciting, um, principles, of the truth and the grace and power, of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. And I know there's so many things that can distract people, especially even at this time of the year, but, um, There is nothing that feeds our soul, our mind, our spirit like knowing God, his word, and his love. So tonight I'm going to ask you, if you'd please join me with a conversation. Um, You can call in. We're going to be talking about forgiveness, um, resentment, holding grudges, uh, things that make life not fair. Um, So call in. It's 347-215-8051. I believe our chat rooms are up and running tonight. Yes. So we can see you. So join us in there. And, and that's so encouraging just to know that you're there, that you're listening. Um, tonight, we're, you know, I'm t- I'm talking about forgiveness. It seems like we've talked about forgiveness, love and forgiveness a lot. Those seem to be two of the main words or themes of the New Testament. And I was just thinking today as I was pondering, talking tonight about forgiveness, that, you know, I don't recall, maybe you can help me out people. Is there any scriptures in the Old Testament um, where God actually commanded um, any of his people to forgive their enemies. Um, I don't think I can... Re- he didn't seem to stress that with David. I mean, David wrote a lot of Psalms about, you know, basically, you know, horrible things he wanted God to do to his enemies and and bring justice. And, of course, there's a lot spoken about justice, but not a lot about forgiveness. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament... Um, There's a lot spoken about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, We'll read that in Matthew um, where he says, chapter 5, verse 38, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile with him, go two. Give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. Well, a lot of, you know, people would say, well, wait a minute. You know, I don't want to be a doormat here. You know, I don't want to be a fool. I mean, um, or be abused or um, I have my rights and I need to defend myself. Um, I don't want to, you know, all these kinds of things about um, enabling and codependency and um, you know, what should what should I do and how should I h- handle my people? But in the New Testament, Jesus is talking about forgiveness and he's talking about um, love and kindness. He's It's really a powerful switch from the Old Testament where he just basically, there's nothing in the Ten Commandments that says we have to forgive anyone, is there? I mean, you know the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, but he doesn't say you have to forgive. And he doesn't say you have to love. So it seems like between the Old Testament where there was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and that was the law of justice and that was what was fair, and that's kind of what we're born knowing. In, in, it's kind of an innate knowing that, you know, it's not fair. You know, her glass of juice is bigger than mine or his cookie is bigger than mine or or, or he got it last time and it's my turn and um, whatever it was and is and however we all see those things, we seem to have a running tally in our minds about justice and fairness and very, very, uh, sensitive to what's not fair. And I'm not quite sure why that is, except the only thing that makes sense to me is that God doesn't like what's not fair either. And when he made us in his image, he made us very sensitive to injustice so that we would understand, um, that he is a God of justice. But what do we do in life is not fair. Um, the old Testament says, well, you know, get even, um, take them out, you know, eye for an eye, punch out their eye, it's all fair. And as a matter of fact, um, that's where a lot of the curses come from. They're based on the breaking, uh, uh, the uh, the um, uh, incursions against justice. Justice is broken. Something happens not fair. And so then the enemy brings in a right to retaliate. And, of course, everybody pays for the consequences. I think especially the, the story of um, uh, when Joshua and the children of Israel were coming into the, promised land and the Gibeonites knew that they were going to uh, have to face Joshua and his army, they came up with a clever scheme pretending to be from a far, far country. And so they came to him directly and lied to him, basically deceived them into believing that they were from a far country and they wanted to make peace and they showed them their moldy stale bread as a proof that they'd been on the road for a long time. And so Joshua created or permitted, gave them amnesty. And so they went off, and they, um, Joshua phoned out later that they were just the next tribe, town, whatever, down the road. And yet, because of his word and his promise, he did not take after them and let them. He said, but he did tell them, because they had lied they were going to be his servants, the servants, the ones who would have to carry the water and the wood and serve the, the people of Israel. So they were willing to do that, because they really didn't want to go to war. So that was a, a kind of an interesting thing. But uh, generations later, when Saul came to power, King Saul... He um, he disregarded that promise that Joshua had made to the Gibeonites, and he began to um, you know uh, take advantage of them. broke the co- the covenant with them, and as a result, Israel began to suffer some dramatic um, judgments, consequences on their land and their people, and there was the sickness and all these kinds of things. And so they began to seek the Lord as to what was um, the open door here, and the prophet came and told Saul, I think it was the prophet, that there had been a covenant, or actually it was David. Saul had broke the covenant and David came into power. And during David's reign, all this trouble began to break out and David sought the Lord as to what was going on. And he reminded him that Saul had broken the promises that had been made to the Gibeonites. So the the unforgiveness, the unkept, the word that had been unkept, the hurt, the pain, the lies, the deception, had opened a door for the enemy to bring a judgment upon um, the people of God, which I find is very interesting, those open doors. Um, and, and talking about open doors, this bitterness, unforgiveness, breaking of the promises, the offenses that come down our bloodlines and are not dealt with oftentimes can also cause a huge open door for the, the, the works of darkness, the judgments of the enemy to come upon us. And upon our people, even maybe a, a generation after those things happen. So a lot of times, well, we are born into a, our world um, bearing a lot of uh, uh, weight, uh, consequences, judgments uh, for sins that we have not committed ourselves. Sin, you know, people have sinned against us even before we were born. Agreements were being made, and, and I know a lot of people don't believe in generational curses, but. You have to have some... The Bible is not expect you to, to just believe it without any kind of sense of reason or continuity. There has to be some explanation for why the believers have as many problems, divorces, diseases, cancers, troubled children, um, as the unbelievers, those who don't value a relationship with God. And so one of the ways that we explain this is we say, well, what about, what about it's under the blood? What about that? Well, that is absolutely correct. Once you come to Jesus Christ, everything that the devil would accuse you of is covered through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no more judgment from God's point of view against you. However, the devil still is judging you and wants to be able to get you to agree with him so that his judgment against you will stand and God's favor and pardon of you will not prevail. And so then the devil can bring judgments upon you, just like he did um, the children of Israel uh, who sinned against the Gibeonites. And so a lot of times I think we don't realize that even though we are Christians, we are saved, we're not exempt. And and another thing you say, well, can a Christian have a curse? Can, Can the devil send a curse to the Christian? Of course he can if the Christian is being disobedient. Disobedience opens the door to a curse. And what is the greatest commandment God has given us in the New Testament is to love one another. and that includes that it must include forgiving one another. We release them from our judgment. Um, and so if we are disobeying God and holding bitterness in our heart, or holding or going back and trying to apply the Old Testament standard of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth to the New Testament standard which says, "Love your enemies and forgive." then we're going to have a hard time um working through uh the the demonic judgments that come against us for for example for taking offense for being bitter and upset. So if you have a if you have an example of something you want to share it would be anonymously obviously if you just want to call our number 347-215-8051 it would really help us to help other people to understand because your problems, your situation is probably quite common. And maybe it's very unique, who knows? But and nonetheless, everybody could benefit from it. So give that a try, give that a call, and um, we'll keep talking. <laughs> so the letter of the law, Jesus says, kills. And yet most people are still trying, even in the New Testament, to perfect their, themselves by keeping the letter of the law, by keeping perfect. And yet God said, you know, the spirit is what gives life in Second Corinthians three six. So the Old Testament was based on works. The eye for an eye, the, the the you know technical technically justice was you know if if somebody punched out your eye they should they should lose theirs if they took your life remember God said that the blood uh, of of Abel was crying out from the ground the ground was testifying to the bloodshed that it had to sustain or endure um when Cain killed his brother Abel and so even the ground was coming to testify to the wrongdoing here and the crime and so there's been tons of tons of times now that the soil the, the ground Gettysburg for example think of that field of blood all the places where bloodshed has been shed where the the ground cries out to God for for justice and yet um that justice is not something we can bring i mean how are we going to make that right Although Jesus said, again, in, in Matthew, he says um, that, you, sh- you know, we're to love our neighbors. Um, and to, and, and, not, and in the Old Testament, it says, you shall love your neighbor. And I'm sorry, in, in uh, Matthew chapter, I'll give you this uh, verse uh, five, verse 43. He says, you have heard that it has been sa- was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, love those who curse you. And do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven, for he makes the the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends His rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. But if you and if you greet your brethren only, what do you have more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. Therefore, You shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Father in heaven, God is perfect. We are to be perfect in attitude and in our behavior towards others in that we will love them and forgive them. That doesn't mean that we um, overlook the injustice, but it does mean we turn the injustices over to God. And he goes on to say um, you know, that there are offenses. Offenses will come, he says. Um, Let's see, where does he say that? Um, Offenses. Yes, Matthew eighteen seven. You know, chapters five and eighteen of Matthew have a lot to do with forgiveness. Those are the main two uh, parts of the book of Matthew. One talks about when you have an offense against someone, you're to go to them, and then the other it says if they have an offense against you, to, they're to come to you. So in either case, whether you're feeling offended, it's it's obedience requires that you go to them, and if they don't receive you, that's not your problem. Um Your problem is that you do what God says, and so and in in the, in Luke chapter chapter seven, he talks about um a lot about the justice and the offenses as well He says here, um, again, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who cur- you, curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. How many of us really do that? How many of us really say, Wow, I can I can, I'm going to have to bless you and I'm going to have to forgive you. But I'm going to tell you something. I have seen people's lives change around for the better when they are willing to just do this. Uh, it doesn't, it's not based on a feeling you have. It's, it's based on a conviction that you're going to obey. You're going to do what God says. Because if you don't, there's two things that happen. Number one, if you don't forgive, you can't get forgiveness. That's The, the whole New Deal in the New Testament is to love and forgive. And God is pretty square and straight on, straight on about that. If you want forgiveness, you have to forgive. Um, if, you, if you don't want forgiveness, then hold grudges. But he says it here in verse um, 6, he says of Matthew, in the Our Father, of course, he says, um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So in order to get your debts or trespasses forgiven, you have to have the same heart and mind to do that for them do not lead us into temptation i think one of our biggest temptations is to stay mad and go with our feelings and our feelings get hurt they get upset they get stirred up they get provoked we go so much with our feelings we live our life so based on our feelings um how i'm feeling today i'm mad i'm glad i'm this i'm sad i'm good i'm whatever and he says Lead us not into temptation. When, when your feelings are tempting, the devil is working through your soul, through your mind, will, and emotions, through your feelings to, to provoke you, to be angry, to be upset, to take up the offense, to listen to the liar who says, it's not right, it's not fair, you should have, blah, 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 they should have, you know, da, da, da. He just is building his case to ignite a, 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 a wrath inside of us. And he wants to use that wrath to separate us and then bring a judgment against us. So he says, um, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. One of the main um, uh, activities I, uh, of the evil one is to sow discord and division. And we oftentimes do not even consider that this would be a possibility that the devil could be on the, on the prowl in our relationships, in our living rooms, trying to cause the, the kids to fight, causing us to feel irritated um, We don't even consider it. We just say, you made me mad. You make me mad. You have given that person the power, the control over your life to make you mad. Seriously? Is that a wise thing to do? No, they can't make you mad. The enemy isn't in you chose to take offense, uh, go with the feeling, go with the thought, then take a tally of what's fair and what's been not fair, and then you give place to the anger. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. Um, He says, deliver us from the evil one. And then he says in verse 14, this is right after the Our Father. He says, and if you forgive men their trespasses, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. How many beautiful lives, simple, sweet, beautiful lives are destroyed because people insist upon holding on to grudges and bitterness? Resentment and retaliation. How many people stay mad? They stay stuck in their past. They don't like the other person. They ultimately don't like themselves because they spend their whole life justifying why they're staying mad. And and really, actually, bitterness uh, is part of that. Bitterness is, I call it, swallowed anger. Anger is a sensitivity to injustice. Anger is an emotion that the enemy stirs up, and and anger is you see the injustice, and then you want to. The energy comes to fix it, you know, take matters into your own hands. And when that happens, we see the sparks fly, and we see judgments come, and we see people hurt, and we see uh, people turned away from God. Uh, We can get defensive about things that are not worth anything, but we have to it's the principle of the thing or we have to prove ourselves right or whatever. And so, but God is very straightforward. He says, if you do not forgive men, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. So the new eye for an eye tooth for tooth law is forgive. If you want forgiveness, if you want love and mercy, then be loving and kind. If you want forgiveness, God doesn't restrict the breath of the people who are blaspheming him. He doesn't turn the the rain away because He's trying to teach them a lesson. If you notice, God is very extremely patient, kind, long-suffering, gracious and His gentleness is what leads men to repentance. It's His goodness. And it's we who, after we have been forgiven much, seem to turn around like like in the parable, the guy who was forgiven, oh yeah, what was it, $10 million worth of debt, and turns around and locks up his, his debtor who owed him 50 bucks or whatever it was. I mean, it's just outrageous that you cannot... Do that, and God not see that. God notices that. When 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 God says, "I have forgiven you," uh, where's that verse? that says, "He was forgiven much, loves much." Um, Jesus told that in the one uh, the story of the woman who had been forgiven much. And you know, if you don't realize what you've really been forgiven, it, it's you're not going to have. It's going to be hard. It's it's really hard to forgive because we don't appreciate. What has been done for us it 's really when we get to that point of being very humble and very uh, gra- grateful for what god has has done for us that we can actually uh, appreciate it and turn around and give it to someone else you know that 's what it 's all about it's all about really it 's about dying dying to your rights, dying to your right to defend yourself dying to your right to be right dying to your right to to be mad um, you know a lot of people they they prance around and their whole life is is consumed with their if their their des- desire to be right, to prove they're right. I'm right. Uh, why is that? Why, why are we so stuck on I'm right, you're not, or proving it's my way. You have to do it my way because we're afraid, number one, and we have to control everything because people who control are very insecure. Mark it down. There's no other way. They have to have it their way or they're going to fall apart. So they're very fragile you know, they're, they're not very adventuresome. Everything's got to be just tight, religiously done their way. And so, they, so they're right. And because why? Because we, we are made by God to like righteousness. But the devil is, says, well, it's, you've got to be right. It's not about being right. There's, it's about being righteous. And our righteousness does not come from being right. Our righteousness comes from him, from his righteousness being applied to our lives. And we humbly accept that and and realize we cannot of our we can of our own self do nothing, so I'm enjoying um talking to myself here, people <laughs> come on, talk to me. I know there's a few of you out there, right. We have a few people listening on it, I'm sure some of us you know got lost in the in the bushes the last couple of weeks, and we were gone, and my goodness I, we tried everything we could to get the radio show up that one night and they did everything and crashed our our constant comment. The other night we crashed our emails, and they were just crashing our stuff because he must really think we have something to say, and he wants and he doesn't want you to hear it. So again, three four seven two one five eight zero five one. That would be great if you give us a call. So back to offense. That word, interesting word in uh, Matthew eighteen seven. Jesus is talking. Actually, is talking about. He starts out talking about the little children. Oh and about who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven, obviously. There's a little competition, comparison in the disciples. Um, At that time, as the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I think we were kind of trying to see who's going to, you know, how do we get ahead? How do we, you know, uh, line up in the organization? Um, You know, how are we going to, you know, who's vice president here? Who's going to be the treasurer, secretary? Who are the, you know, the board members? Jesus (laughs) He kind of always st- astonishes us. He calls a little child to him and sets him in the midst of them. Now, can you imagine this little kid, Little kid, barefooted, dirty feet, dirty face, probably got stickies on his face from something. He's sucking on some fig somewhere. His hands are gooey, and his hair is all ratted up, and he's got a, he's all dirty. You know how kids are when they're playing outside unattended. He pulls this child to him, and he sets him in the middle of them. So the little kid has no idea what's going on, but he's being used as an object lesson. And he said, Jesus said, I surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, there is a true test of one who is converted. Look at your leaders in the church. Look at the ones who read, you follow, you listen to them on television, you buy their books, their tapes, or this or that. And look and, and see if they pass the child test. Are they are they humble? Are they innocent? Are they trusting? Are they, or are they agitated and competitive and um, just kind of underneath kind of underlying sense of entitlement or anger or this child was the representation of what it looks like to be converted. That child knew that they would have to be um, the only way they were going to ever get anywhere was if somebody else took care of them. And we're we're looking to God to take care of us. You are dead anyway. Your your agenda is over. Your plans, your 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 future, the which your your five year plan, your goals, your you know, all your objectives, all the stuff the world tells you to do, just just throw it out. It's it's gonna be just a mess and a conflict and it's gonna be a frustration to you because you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot be in both camps at the same time. You need to be completely converted turned over to be of one mind and one heart be a person of integrity following the lord with all your heart soul mind and strength with no reservations no hands to the plow and your eyes are turning and looking over your shoulder looking back at the past and 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 and, and who hurt you and what you want to do or you know we're not we're not coveting we don't covet anything we we've been we're dead we don't live anymore for ourselves this child was just you know, just innocent, just enjoying childhood, the day, the the sunshine, the opportunities, no worries. I mean, that's the kind of true power that he's talking about to be great in the kingdom of heaven. That's greatness right there. Um, therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And you, you know that. You already know this. You know this stuff, that it's about being humble. You say, well, how do I, how do I humble myself? Well, first of all, I'll ask you, who said, how do I? Where's how do I? Where are all the how do I's from? How do I do this? How do I do that? How do I get, uh, you know, get here, get there, do, you know, be more. How do I always create stress? They do. Work, stress, frustration. Um, You know, then you have to find out, figure out, figure out. Where's figure out from? I got to figure it out. Where are the figure outs from? How do I then? I've got to figure it out. Where are they from? They create stress. Well, where's stress from? Heaven or hell? You say, well, it's just life. Well, life is a mixture, isn't it? It's not just life. There are only two kingdoms, and all life is going to end up in one of those two kingdoms someday. And so let's just make it simple. It's either God's kingdom or the devil's kingdom. So this little child wasn't asking a lot of questions. It wasn't trying to be great or notice. All children really want is to be loved and taken care of, uh, feel safe. And how many children these days? Look look around you. It's just atrocious. How many children? I mean, I don't think we can look at it too long. It's too terribly painful. How many babies and children and little six-year-olds and five-year-olds and four-year-olds are without parents? They're destitute. They're orphans. They're on refugee lines. They're the, the leftovers of, of, of genocide and, and tribal massacres and um, demons who go in and kill adults. These little children are left with what? Of course they have the angels of God around them. He says, therefore, humble, whoever humbles himself, you know, we are vulnerable in the kingdom of God. You are going to be vulnerable, but guess what? Not really, because God is with, watching over us. He sends his angels to watch over us. If you're stressed, it's because you're trying to take care of yourself, or worse yet, there's a strongman, familiar spirit inside of you impersonating you to yourself to get you to think you're taking care of yourself when actually you're listening to a lying spirit who is, is is taking on the job under the guise of being your help, your protector, your benefactor, and he's really destroying you. It's like um oh, it's like the little red riding hood story where the, the, the wolf came as little Red Riding Hood. Um, you know, we're being deceived by these things into thinking that it's us when it's not us. If it's not, if this, if whatever you're doing does not bring peace to you, doesn't mean the whole world around you is going to have peace because you're doing the right thing. Nah, no, probably not. They're going to be provoked probably. If you're especially if you're going to your family you know, these seasons of the year, you know, you're going to go there and they're going to they're going to judge you. They're going to be provoked by you because, you know, you're provoking them to love and good works. And they don't want to do the love and good works. And they surely don't want you to tell them what to do. So what do you know anyway? Because they were they raised you. So you can't know anything more than them. So, you know, you're just going to have to just be quiet and love your people. Uh, That's kind of where that goes, because Jesus said a prophet's not without honor, except in his own country. And you know that's the truth. But he says he goes on to say, and whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. So taking in the the, the unprotected, the, the innocent, the, the even those who've been abused, victimized by the world, by themselves, uh, you know. And how many of us have been victimized by the devil? And yet the world would lay upon us a heavy responsibility for what has happened to us. It's your fault you did it you chose it you chose to do drugs well you chose to um go out and run away from home and be a little street prostitute it's your fault you did it see the thing is is that the mercy of god is that forgiveness or is that holding their sin against them and have you never sinned have you never sinned if you have never sinned then you probably are not human (laughs) you know you probably you're either god or you're not human so I don't think there's anybody here who hasn't said we say, well, what is sin? Sin means that you have made a choice. You've fallen for a lie. You've believed a lie. You've gotten tricked. You've done something as a result of believing that lie that's caused you to come into a place of separation from yourself, others, or God. And we all learn through failure. We learn through making mistakes. And God does not hold our mistakes against us. The only one that really does that is you under the counsel of the devil. If you agree with the devil that you're bad and guilty and you won't forgive yourself, now there's another point of forgiveness. Like if we can't forgive ourselves, then how can we forgive others? And a lot of times people who are having to be right, they haven't even looked at the fact that they could possibly be wrong because they want to be right they don't want to be wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm not good. And if I'm not good, then I'm bad. And if I'm not, you know, it just goes on and on. I've got to establish my own righteousness. Well, your your righteousness was established when you were made by God in his image, and then when he died for you. That has secured every the, the honor, the worth, the value, the credibility, the provision, the endorsements, the affirmations, the affection, the uh, beloved bestowing of the inheritance upon us, the good things that some of us are, you know, all of us that really love God at this point are not walking in the fullness of that of that promise, that inheritance, but nonetheless, that's who we are. That's who we are in Christ. And to know who we are is the key to walking in victory. So he says, you must receive a little child like this. And whoever does that, receives this child in my name, receives me. Jesus is coming to you as a child. He's coming to you as a hurting person. He's coming to you as, in Matthew 25, He says, they said, well, when did we see you in prison? And when did we see you hungry and naked and blah, blah, blah? And Jesus said, as you've done it to the least of these, my brother, and you've done it to me. How many how many times have you missed Jesus just today? How many times have you, you, you missed his appearing to you, coming to you in the need, in the form of a little one that you didn't receive? That you were too busy to acknowledge? That you wouldn't even give a smile to? That you're too, you know, uh, distracted to even keep current and what's really going on in the world I mean we're so so distracted by the things that don't matter you know and so um, st- we're stolen from because you don't you keep, We keep missing the true opportunities that the Lord has given us he says then he says in verse 6 but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin it were better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea have you ever, um, yeah, I guess, the, 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 drowned in the depths of the sea? The picture that I see in that is um, at the end of the movie Titanic. Um, you probably saw the movie when she took out the beautiful blue heart, the, the diamond. I forget what they called it. The the, the this precious jewel, um, that beautiful heart shape, that that jewel that everyone coveted and wanted, and she dropped it over the side of the boat, this old woman who had had it all these years and hidden it all these years, she dropped it into the depths of that ocean and it would never, ever be found again because who knows where it would have landed in the the floor of the ocean. And yet she was willing to let go of that thing because it was nothing but trouble and it was nothing but a problem. But the, but the, the lostness of that precious thing he says, we will be lost, drowned in the depths of the sea if we mistreat, if we refuse to forgive. Now, we're not just talking little children here. There are little children who are mistreated. And I tell you what, there isn't probably going to be any question for those those people what's going to happen unless, of course, in God in his great mercy gives them the gift of repentance and they take it. And for all of us, that hardness of heart must go. Hardness of heart is not your friend. That wall that you've allowed the devil to build, all those bricks of hurt and and bitterness and resentment and words and vows that I'm never going to let anybody touch me or get close to me, all that stuff is really not protecting you. It's only cutting you off, isolating you from the truth. But he says, woe to the world because of offenses, for offense must come, but woe to that man through whom the offense comes. Jesus is saying, you're in the world, the world is filled with injustice. The world is filled with our awareness of injustice. We're very sensitive to injustice, but that it, it, it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen because number one, the devil's in the world and he is full of he's a criminal, and secondly, he is going to make sure that injustices come. And so Jesus says, they're going to come. Now, what are you going to do about it? All of these opportunities to get mad or to to give love. Which one are you going to take? Seriously, what do you got to lose in loving someone? Really, does it cost you that much? Sometimes it might. It could cost you your life, but I don't know if we're all at that place right now. What is probably going to cost you is five minutes. How, you know, sometimes just a little gesture of love and kindness to someone, just a little phone call, just you know, I mean, it doesn't financially cost you an arm and a leg. Just give them some of your time. Take a moment to find out how they're really doing. Um, Say a prayer with them. Uh, But we're so mad. We're so offended. And certain people we're never going to talk to again. God have mercy. We're not going to have mercy at the end if we don't give mercy now. That's just the new eye for an eye, tooth for tooth deal of the New Testament is if you want mercy, give mercy. If you want forgiveness, give forgiveness. That's the new law of love. It's going to be based on what you do and why don't you just stop being mad and you say, well, I can't. I can't give up. I can't give up on this thing. This is too, it's too wrong. Do you even remember what you're wrong or you're mad about anymore? Some people don't remember. Now, if you can call me at 347-215-8051, then we can talk about it. And you know, the first thing you want to do is to identify the lie. What is the lie that you believe that made you so mad and is making your heart so hard, and making it hard for you to humble yourself. Did What was? What did Jesus demonstrate? Did he get offended? I mean, look at all the, the people who took offense at him. They tried to push him over the cliff. They tried to run him out of town. They tried to get a hideout. They tried to call him into question and cross-examine him. We've talked about some of these things before. But what, what did Jesus demonstrate to them? He was their creator. He was the one who gave them life. It was in the, the the irony of the whole thing was that he was the one that gave them life, the very life that they were using to take energy and strength to come against him, and yet he demonstrated love and peace and truth and mercy and forgiveness. Now he was not a doormat. He was not a doormat at all. And we don't think of Jesus as being abused. Um, we say he was crucified. And he willingly gave up his life for us, but he was not a victim. He was the Lamb of God who laid down his life willingly for us. He wasn't someone whos someone else stole the life from him, and he had no way to keep it or or defend himself. He willingly gave it up, so we don't consider him a victim, and he was not personally offended because he did not take what happened to him personally. He knew it was because. They had rejected the father, that they were rejecting him. And he says, he wraps up this whole discussion about the children in verse 10, where he says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. Many of us, even though we have adult bodies, are still little ones. We're still locked in those places of pain and fear and trauma and confusion and rejection where we don't understand what happened and we don't know how to fix it. Except Jesus says, he says, here's how you fix it. You trust me. You give me the crime that was committed against you. You give it to me. I will we'll take it to court. We'll take it to God's court. You, and it says in, um, uh, let's see, where is it, Matthew 5, he says, or 6, hold on. He says, judge not, lest you be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And we've talked about that a couple of weeks ago, too. Um, so judge not we can If we judge Then we're the judge And if you're the judge God's not the judge And as long as you're the judge God cannot be the judge Because you can't have two judges On that same case at the same time So what you're going to have to do Is let it go You say but I can't let it go Well then carry it Make your whole life about staying mad Is that what you were put on the earth for? You know, offenses are going to come. You got hit. Are you going to walk around? If you got got shot with an arrow, would you think it's your job and re- responsibility to stay walking around the rest of your life with that arrow in your leg or your arm? Would, or would you try to get it out? Or would you go to somebody to help get it out? Or would you say, oh, no, I'm just going to keep this arrow in my arm because it's, it's a battle scar and I'm proud of it. And I'm going to stay mad until that guy who shot the arrow admits he's wrong. Well, what if he never apologizes? What if he never? Do you have to wait till you find them or they come to their senses and tell you, ask for forgiveness? And at that point, would you even have the grace to forgive him? Because you're still so mad. Jesus said, let me pull out the arrow. Let me take the crime and the injustice here. Let me pour in the wine and the oil into your wounds. You be you. you're OK. You can you can go back to living. Be happy. It'll be all right. I'll take it to the court of heaven. We'll let God judge it. And you can be free because if you don't judge, if you don't stop judging it, if you keep that door of bitterness open, the devil's going to come rushing in there and make you feel bad and guilty for holding this grudge. And then he's going to bring judgments upon you. And that's what a lot of people are suffering with, that sense of feeling um, guilty. And so subconsciously you're feeling, well, I know I should forgive. Yeah. And because you're not doing it well, because I don't feel like it. Well, what, what's it have to do with the feeling? Did God say, when you feel like forgiving, forgive? Did he say the just shall live by their feelings? What did he say? The just shall live by faith. What is faith? Faith is the evidence, evidence of things not seen. We think evidence has to be apparent. It's the sure, surety or the certainty uh, in, in receiving the things that are hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is confidence in the promises of God, though you don't see it yet. You, by faith, have it. And so by faith, it's an act of faith. Okay, God, I'm going to forgive them because I believe that you are a righteous judge. Do you think God is just going to say, well, good, now that they're made up, I think I'll just uh, throw this in the the junk drawer and I'm not going to look at this problem anymore, this crime. Do you think that? If if there truly is forgiveness on the part of both of you, then, of course, God is going to, if, if there's still going to be justice. And where do you suppose the justice is going to have to go then? Towards the instigator. And who was the instigator again? The devil? You put the devil in the equation and you're going to have a lot more peace. People are afraid, oh, put the devil in the equation. That's so weird. You know what? In America, we are so out to lunch on this thing of spiritual warfare. It's like we're, I, I, I don't even have words to describe it. We can't explain anything because it's all, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. We have many options. We're confused. We try this. We try that. Whether it's a drug or a medication or a, a new routine or, a, you know, 20 steps to this and 40 steps to that and treatment, blah, blah, blah. There's no concrete anything if you don't put the devil in the equation and know that he is the one who is guilty. Billy, you did it. It's your fault. Well, where does that end up? Where does that really end up? With more condemnation, more judgment, more confusion, more confusion, judgment, and condemnation. It just goes in a vicious circle. You don't. When, what do you need to take responsibility for? You need to take responsibility, number one, to repent of the lie that you believed, including the lie that you believe that if I stay mad, somehow it's going to get fixed. I need to repent of pride and, and, and distrust of God that I won't trust God to take care of this. Um, it's important. Dying is a very important part of our walk with Christ. To live as Christ. To die is gain. Uh, In him I live and move and have my being. We died with Christ when we participated with him in his death on the cross. And dead men don't sin and they don't get mad anymore. They don't get mad. They don't stay mad. It's not about them. It's not about what they want or what they should have had. It's about the Lord God being a righteous judge. And he look at all the Psalms. He talks about where he's going to vindicate us, vindicate us, vindicate us. So when people sin against you, curse you, talk behind your back, cheat you out of stuff, steal your inheritance. um, What are you going to do about it? You're going to turn the crime over to God, whether you feel like it or not. You're going to, it's an act of obedience an act of your will. You're going to turn it over to God and say, God, I choose by an act of my will to turn this over to you right now and let you be the judge. I'm not going to judge this anymore. All I'm asking for from the court of heaven is the restoration of justice, honor, peace of mind, and the assurance that you're going to take care of me. Because otherwise, you're going to just live very anxiously, very full of fear and frustration and far, far, far from the kingdom. You're going to be so drained. You won't have any energy. Do you know how much energy it is? takes to stay angry and upset i mean is it really worth it when jesus said a new commandment i give to you i sense there are a lot of people out there who are not walking with god because they're they just can't get past this unforgiveness thing and a lot of it is unforgiveness towards yourself is that not true we stay mad we have a right to be mad um you know and again it's it's let it go let it rest with God. Because what's the truth? You know, our past. Some people are stuck in their past. And, and part of being stuck in your past is because of the, the damage, the wounds, the injustices of the past. Whether you committed them or someone committed them against you or things didn't turn out right or, you know, you got ripped off. People are stuck in those places in the past because and they can't go on in their future or in their new relationships or in their, in their life in any way because they got, somehow feel obligated to fix the past. To stay back there until justice is is had um and and so you're 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 like tied at your ankles to this futile past of trying to get justice, and your life is not going forward. am I not telling you the truth? I know some of you are you need to go on you need to let go you need to forgive that person, whether it's a husband an ex husband a wife ex wife girlfriend um uh parent uh child you are ruining your life by trying to get justice, and it's a waste of your time. It's not what God said to do with your life. God didn't say, well, stay mad until I get around to fixing it. I'll be there in a while. Just just stay mad. Okay, don't f- write it down and just stay mad. Keep, it, keep those fires burning. He didn't say that. He said, you know, what did he say? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Seriously, there's going to be nothing but injustice and opportunities to forgive from here on out everything is is everything's wrong nothing is right except you can be right and at peace with god and if you're at peace with god you have made peace with your brothers because if you haven't made peace with them you're going to have a hard time convincing god that you are peaceful and non-stressed so anyway so going back to this getting out of the, the stuck spot, the past, whether it's a spiritual abuse or physical abuse or domestic violence or um, sexual abuse, whatever whatever's happened to you, uh, is it worth staying mad at that person? Is staying mad at that person worth going to hell over? I mean, seriously, are they worth going to hell over? Are they worth you giving up and losing your life, your health, your focus, your your joy? Because just, just, but I can't, I can't get rid of this thing. Well, yes, you can. But you have to deal with it as you would deal with a demon. Spirit of rage, the spirit of retaliation, the spirit of bitterness, the spirit of anger. That's not you. Those things are feeding through your system, through your feelings, through your emotions, through your heart. But that is not you. If you'd be brave enough to say, whoa, 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 that's not me. But we all think, oh, you know, well, I'm feeling this, so this is me, so I have to stay loyal to myself and my feelings. What a trick to think that all the feelings you have had, even today, are all yours, because you didn't stay steady. No matter what you did, you were up and you were happy, then you were down, and then and then the air pressure changed and the wind started blowing and you got cold, and then you got crabby, and then you got happy because up and down and up and your blood sugars fluctuate, your 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 hormones are fluctuating, your Your your, your brain chemistry is spattering around, and you're basing, you're loyal to that? What is that? That's nonsense. That's insane. You don't have to walk in such a tiz all the time. You can know that you know what you know and walk in the spirit and say, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I see that. It's trying to make me irritated right now. Oh, yeah, I see that. Oh, it's trying to make me afraid right now. Oh, yeah, I can see that is stirring up a grudge against, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. God's only going to look for one thing when he checks us all out at the end. He's going to see on your report card, did you pass the love test? That's the only test we have. We get tested on it quite often, probably every day. And the way you know if you're passing the test is by the peace of God, the peace, the joy Yes, you can discern things that aren't fair. Of course you can. You'll see them all the time. So what are you going to do about them? You're going to pray for the people who are involved in those conflicts, and you're going to bind Satan. And when it's in your own life, you can ca- you can command him to leave that spirit of injustice. And a lot of people are plagued with injustices too. It seems like some people are just like they're just they got a target on their back for bad things happening to them and unfair things and being um, deliberately accused uh falsely accused bullied uh i've seen people with that target on their back they're bullied and it's so you become kind of accepting i i get bullied i am being bullied um i'm used to it i mean it's it's life it's normal um no it's not no 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 it's not not everybody gets bullied and if you get if your children are getting bullied for example uh, at school, which I know happens because of the insecurity of other children and the devils are there to stir up the trouble, then you need to say, okay, what's the lie that we're believing here, that that we get bullied, that you get bullied? Because, because it happens, because it is what it is, because it, it just happens, so therefore I get bullied. So we're accepting by, through reality, through reasoning, that this thing is me, it's normal and what does God say? Is that what God has for you, that you're going to be you're victimized and you're targeted to get bullied the rest of your life. Is that what he said? Some of you will be bullied. Is that what he said to the to the disciples? You're just going to have to put up with it. No. He said, resist the devil. What is the lie? Well, if the lie is that I, I get bullied because it's just normal. It's just life. It just happens to me. It's just, you know, and some people, that's how you're, um, that's how you're brainwashed. That's how you're reinforced. I've seen it. People are mistreated and in their families, they're, some people are physically beaten, some are verbally abused, and you just get used to it. And then it goes on in your next level of relationships, the next generation out, You're with your, as an adult, the same thing happens again. You pick the people who are going to bully you, who will not forgive you, who will not bless you. And so you feel unloved. And of course, that's a, a spirit that's trailing you. It's an unloving spirit that's making you believe, I don't deserve love, I'm never going to get love, and I just got to stay defensive, I got to stay um, inside myself? No. Those are the demons that are guarding the door to your life of freedom and they need to be removed so that you can get out into the sunlight of God's love. So y- dealing with things is what God wants us to do. Not de- not deny it, but deal with it and to um to live in freedom without regrets. You know, regret is you're looking back on the past and you don't you're know, you're feeling bad for what you see back there and it wasn't the way you wanted it to be. How many people are living with regret in their life? Just about 90% of them, 98% of them. They don't like their past. Well, you're not going to like your past if you're looking back there all the time or worrying with anxiety going on to to walk ahead with the what-ifs and the oh-no's of anxiety. The only way you're going to like your life is if you live in the moment. If you live in the moment, rejoice in the moment, feel God's grace and peace in the moment, do that which is right in the sight of the lord in the moment feel his comfort read his word and and be stabilized then you're going to start to accumulate a past that you like because you can only live in the moment so do you need to forgive somebody right now i'm going to give you a chance to think about that and when we come back we're going to we're going to do a little prayer to forgive and i want you to jesus to show you right now who you need to forgive Who's what burdens you're carrying that don't belong to you, what worries and offenses, and you can write it down if you want. We're gonna do a little quick commercial and I'll be right back.
1: What is life? Where does it come from? Where does it end? Is it merely a sequence of random events thrown together? Is it of any significance? Or is it just there? A dash between two dates carved on a cemetery stone. Does it count? Does it last? What's it worth? Does it matter? Is evolution a plausible explanation for the existence of man? Does the Genesis record give us an accurate account of the origin of man? Or are there other valid arguments that can explain the origin of human life? Were we planned from the foundation of the world? Or were we an accident, an amoeba emerging out of primordial slime? And what is the ultimate significance of a life born by accident or of no one being there? If we are nothing but the result of random chance and fortunate mutations to the nth power, who cares? And if we are of no significance in our birth, then life is of little value, and to die is the same as to live.
0: Amen. Well, you know, the Bible is very, God is very serious. There's some things that God just cannot um, change his mind on. And one of them is justice and the other one is love. And part of that justice and love require forgiveness. We have been forgiven, therefore, in appreciation for that forgiveness. And as an act of obedience and being like God, we humble ourselves. And we turn the crimes committed over, against us over to God. So right now, you have a list of the things that have been done to you. Lord, I pray that you take my brother and sister back to the original place where that injustice occurred, where the enemy set up the crime, the conflict, and be, began to use that to turn their life away from joy and hope and peace and, and, and a future. And as you show them, you are the faithful witness. So we know that you were there as the devil tried to get them offended, uh, get them isolated, cut off, feeling bad, feeling um, unworthy, or distrusting. Lord, so I pray that you show them right now what was the lie that they believed, that the enemy got them to believe, that they accepted, gave the enemy the right to hold them in this place of bitterness and unforgiveness. Show them what was the lie. And as you show them that lie, I just thank you, Lord Jesus. You'll also show them the truth, because you know the truth. What was the lie that you believed that the enemy used to get you to stay mad or isolate or feel ashamed or feel um, unacceptable or unloved or not part of your family or mad at your family? What was the lie that if I, if I love them, if I let them into my life, then what? If I forgive them, then what? They'll hurt me again. Then what? Do I want to be hurt again? No. So what am I going to do? I will build the wall. I will never let them hurt me again. so some of you have even came into agreement with a demon keeper of the oath called I will never. And he comes in to hold you to that oath, that promise. Um, So even though you try to get free you now have a you have a a, a warden a prison warden from hell chained to your wrist and he's going to hold you in that until you tell him you don't want him anymore you tell him he needs to go to the pit of hell so father show them the lie jesus and the truth is what what is the truth when they were being hurt and offended you said um woe to those who to whom offense or through home offense comes what is the truth you want them to know right now because Jesus, you know their hearts, and the enemy sometimes makes us want to feel like we haven't forgiven either, so that he can keep holding us in a judgment of unforgiveness so he can make us feel bad and like, "Oh, I need to, and I've tried to, and I've given it to God many times and but you can't base your 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 um decision to forgive. And it being done on a feeling, because the devil can return with a feeling of uh, another uh, offense, another sense of, you know, um, anger. You have to base it on the fact. And if another crime is committed, then another crime needs to be turned over to the court of heaven. So say this with me, dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now as your son, as your daughter, created in your image. And by an act of my will and with my heart, I choose to forgive. Now you put the name of the person, the persons in there. I release them for my judgment, for the crimes they have committed against me. Now name the crimes. The words, the curses, the abuse, the neglect, the insensitivities, the crimes they've committed against you. I, I turn those crimes over to you, Lord God, and the court of heaven. I no longer will judge this matter. I ask that you will be the judge in this matter, Lord. And I thank you for restoring to me everything that's been stolen from me, that you'll restore my peace of mind, my sense of worth, my value, my hope, my joy, justice, that you remove the judgments from me that Satan has put against me. The unforgiveness, being targeted, being bullied, picked on, feeling guilty, having to carry around the devil's resentments. I choose to no longer be his burden bearer. And I ask that you would judge that evil one who put the wedge between me and my family. Between me and my loved one. Between me and my boss. Lord, even as you said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. I choose to be like you. And I turn this mess, this war, these offenses, this injustice over to you. Because only you know our hearts. And I'm asking to bless my enemy and pray for them. And I do pray that you would give my brother, my sister, my mother, my father, my ex, my this and that a deep and holy revelation of your love for them that will set them free from the same spirit of bitterness and offense that has been snatching, suffocating my life, that we are free and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I agree that all bitterness and judgments in my generational bloodlines, every agreement that my people have made with staying mad, carrying the burdens, staying bitter, offended, I cancel out those agreements now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I declare that I am free, that I am the servant of the Most High God. I do not carry the burdens puts on me. I carry the Word of God the life of jesus christ and i desire to do your will lord god thank you jesus and father let every spirit of bitterness hurt heaviness unforgiveness confusion loss being stuck in the past fear of going on staying mad feeling somehow obligated to hold on to these painful things be gone i command you demons liars The sword of the word of God separates you from my brother, my sister, from their mind and their heart. That sword is able to separate even to the dividing of bone and marrow, thought and intention, soul and spirit. And I ask, Father God, that the light of your truth would make manifest the hidden works of darkness right now. And Holy Spirit, that you'd sweep them out of their house. Give no place to the devil. Open your mouth right now wherever you are, and tell that spirit of bitterness and unforgiveness and self-bitterness and self-hatred and condemnation to go to the pit. And for those of you who have to forgive yourself, say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, you know my heart. You created me in your image to do your will. I ask you to forgive me for listening to the lies of the devil and believing him and taking sides with him in his accusations against me. I ask you to forgive me for believing self-condemnation and self-rejection and shame and guilt, and it's my fault, instead of believing you when you said it is finished. So I command all of them to leave me, and I ask you, Lord God, to remove them from me, the unforgiveness towards myself, who is holding me, in a senseless, pointless place that will never, ever bring resolution. The only resolution will come from the revelation of you, Jesus. So, Son of God, bring me the revelation I need to set me free from myself. And myself, who is not me, you can go to hell. Because we are not made as ourselves. We're not made as me's. We're made as little I am's. So, Lord, I receive my identity in you And realize that the devil has been lying to me, tricking me, stealing from me, trying to kill me all along. And it's not my job to protect myself. It's my job to submit to you, Lord God, and resist the devil. So give me grace, Holy Spirit, to do that. Father, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, how many of you, when you're free from all that, and you don't have to bear your own sin and carry your own crimes, and you can be free to do something else, what would you like to do with your life? Hmm? Is it okay to be okay? Good. It's okay to be okay. Well, you've got plenty to do and plenty of energy that can go into the kingdom of God and love and encouragement and deliverance and healing and bringing people out of darkness. And so for all of us, life has not been fair. As a matter of fact, I encourage you to pick up a couple of our CDs in the store. One of them is the, When Life's Not Fair it's you know our, we have a natural anger response to injustice but when you um realize that this can become the make or break point of your life these injustices it's important to understand how we can prevail against our enemies and so forgiveness as we have discovered releases us from the um the grip of personal offense and the judgment the devil's trying to bring upon us and it also gives god freedom to restore that justice So, when life's not fair, check it out dot liferecovery.com. We also have a bunch of other stuff in the store that's very helpful for you. And um, another one is forgiveness. You know, when life's not fair, forgiveness, those are basics. Those are really, really basics. And if you are grumpy and crabby and not happy, then probably you've got some bitterness and unforgiveness hanging around. And just keep asking the Lord to show you, well, what is it? What are the lies? Show me, God. Cleanse me. Heal me so I don't have to carry this around anymore. Does that make sense? So you guys have been very talkative tonight. Bless you. Now listen, I want to just say this again. Please remember that this is a radio blog for you. And we would love to do more counseling on on the radio. So if you have a counseling question, if you have a thought, if you have an issue, a scenario, a situation if you want some, you know, like they have Judge Judy and they have all these other people who do their things and and whatever, this could be that for you. You can take this opportunity to call in, ask us your questions, give this number out during the um, blog talk, or just go to our our website, liferecovery.com. You'll get some more information about how to get a hold of us, emails and that sort of thing, because we do counseling, we do teaching, and we do pray. And so, Father God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for each one here. We thank you that you are a faithful God. You're righteous in all of your ways. And we pray that you'd encourage the hearts of each one who's listening tonight and that you'd give them a mouth to speak, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to know the revelation of your truth and your justice. And so, Father God, again, may we just expand to the right hand, to the left hand. May we spend time in your word. And be totally super blessed by following you and trusting in you. Amen. Have a good night, everybody, and um, we'll join you again next week at the same time, uh, and we'll talk about some more things, hopefully, uh, things that are relevant to your life. God bless you. I have an emergency. What is your location?
1: yourself.